the connection between transfiguration when Jesus goes up on the mountain and is transfigured before um, the disciples. He's dazzling white, which is kind of an interesting image for us this day of snow. Um, Then they come back down from the mountain, and that's where the work takes place. And so we'll be hearing a little bit about that work this morning. Several folks who are the hands and feet of Christ, and these are representatives, really, of so many more good things that are happening around our, around our church and around our neighborhood. I thank each of you for being a part of our worship today and telling us about what's happening. Well, I've never seen you guys from up here before. Y'all look pretty good. Just wish the pews were a little fuller, but it is the snow day. Well, good morning. I'm Paula Stump. I think most of you know that. I'm not Janice Dyerly, who was my first choice for being here, but since she was unable to make it, Donna convinced me that I should come this morning and tell you a little bit about Hort Park Elementary School, and I'm happy to do that. Um, Maybe you're like I was, say, three years ago. I had heard of Hort Park Elementary School, but I didn't even have a clue where the school was located. In fact, I had to get Janice to give me directions on how to get there. And it's real easy, just go down Salem Avenue, go up, go up a few blocks, and it's on your right, you can't miss it. So that's what I did. Um, the first thing I want to tell you about the school itself is that it's the poorest school in all of Roanoke City. And I don't mean that it's an inferior school. I mean that the children that go there come from very low, low-income families. Almost 98% of the students in that school qualify for free or reduced lunch programs. I want to say that again, 98%. And that number is so astounding that I'm going to ask a favor of you this morning. I'd like for you to look around where you're seated right now comfortably in a nice warm place and count nine people. And I think there's almost nine people here today. And think about this, not a single one of them will have a nutritious lunch today, unless they're in school. Now you, you're the lucky one. Today you will get a nutritious nutritious lunch, but you won't tomorrow, and you won't the next day, and you won't for several more days to come, unless you're in school. And that's, you know, that's, that's not something that we should be proud of, is having the lowest income school in Roanoke City just up the street from us. Um, I know at one point it, had, it was, had the highest percentage of free or reduced lunch, lunch tickets in any urban school west of Richmond. I don't know if that's still, in fact, true, but I suspect that it is. Okay, so what do I do at Hurt Park? I go there on Tuesdays to participate in what is known now as the community reading program. Um, To me, it should be called HOST. It was originally called HOST. HOST is an acronym for Help One Student to Succeed, and that's what I try to do there. The intent is that you work one-on-one with a student, hopefully the same student for the entire school year, and that allows you to build a relationship with that child. Unfortunately, I've had several turnovers this year because the children, particularly in Hurt Park, move quite frequently. So right now I've got two cute little girls, and I hope I'll have them for the remainder of the year, but there's, you know, I can't be sure that's what's going to happen. But anyway, I go there, and I spend 30 minutes with each child. 
And we do things like, you know, we'll read a book together, maybe work on some kind of worksheet, play a game of, of some educational value. And um, the most important thing I think we do is that we talk to each other and we learn about each other. And these children became, become each year a great part of my life. And I pray that I'm a part of theirs. Uh, many of these kids come from what I'll call a non-standard life. And they benefit so much from having someone, anyone, who will spend quality one-on-one -on -one time with them. The blessings in it for me are many and great. I get smiles and hugs. And on occasion, like this past week, we had a Valentine's party, so I got a cupcake. And the kids had a good time with that. But the biggest, greatest blessing for me is that as the year progresses, I get to see how these kids progress in their reading and their writing skills, and even, yes, their social skills. You may think that it takes being retired or being a grandma, which I'm retired but not a grandma. Uh, God, I'm praying about that, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but you don't have to be either. Um, when I worked full-time for Roanoke City, they allowed me time each week to go to then Lincoln Terrace was conducting the host program. So I did that weekly during the school year for five or six years while I worked at the city. So many of you that are employed, you, know, you may work for someone who would allow you that time uh, as you know, part of their community assistance programs. Um, and if not, you know, maybe you consider taking your lunch hour to go up there and work with these children. Um, it doesn't even have to be part of the community reading program. There's all sorts of volunteers, volunteer positions available at Hurt Park and any other neighborhood school that you can think of. So consider volunteering at a school that's near you or especially at Hurt Park because the needs there are so great. Now you may remember that back in the fall, Calvary had a uh, school um, resource store that Janice Diarly led where you had the opportunity to go in and buy supplies and furnish a backpack for these kids to have during the year. And I can't tell you how much, how meaningful that is to those children that they each have a nice new backpack and, and the, the supplies that they need. Um, we also had a service here at Calvary where we blessed those backpacks and we put a card in each one saying that Calvary Baptist Church is praying for you. And I hope that you still are praying for these children, all the children at Hurt Park Elementary, because that's probably the most important thing we can do for these kids is to continue to lift them up in prayer. I thank you for your time today. I'm speaking about uh, Baptist Friendship House and the Good Faith Food Box. Um, Baptist Friendship House is, <clears throat> excuse me, dear to me because um, that's what brought my wife and I and my young family to Roanoke three years ago um, when I became the director there. The first time I met Miss Peggy at Baptist Friendship House, I almost called the police. I'd been working there for about three months or so, but this Tuesday morning started a little bit differently. I normally arrived at work at 9.03. When you had a six-month-old, those three minutes are crucial um, for extra sleep. Um, but I would arrive, 
uh, get the coffee going, check voicemail, check email, do some last-minute straightening before the first ladies would come for the Tuesday Bible study. Now, if you haven't been over to Friendship House, um, you have to open a gate. You park in the back, and there's a gate, and that lets you into a little porch area, and then there's the door to the side. Well, crimes decreased in the area over the years, but you still have to be smart. But when I pulled up on this Tuesday morning, the gate was open, and the light was on, and there was no car in the parking lot. I knew my ministry assistant wasn't supposed to be there yet, so I slowly approached the door and looked inside. I see a silhouette of a hunched-over older woman fluttering about in the kitchen. I kind of poke in, hello? Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm Peggy. You must be Nathan. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Lots of questions. Oh, but I went in to find out that she lived around the corner, and she had been sick the last few months. She had been connected to the Friendship House for over 30 years, even before it was at this location here. It was farther down Elm. She had been faithful in attending, a faithful volunteer, and so faithful that the last director, unbeknownst to me, had given her a set of keys. So, yeah. She would always bug me about holding a yard sale for a fundraiser. That didn't sound appealing to me. I just saw lots of work and a small return. But one time she told me a story. Um, they were having a yard sale there. It was on a Saturday, a day that um, Friendship House normally is closed, and they got a phone call, and she answered it. It was a woman that had a young child, and she just arrived in Roanoke. She had fled from an abusive and alcoholic husband, and she didn't know what to do. So she called the Friendship House, and they said, well, come on down, and um, we'll help you out. So she came. And they loaded her up with food, diapers, and because they had the yard sale going on, a couple pieces of furniture to help her get started. So Peggy asked her, well, how did you find us? And the woman said, well, I was looking through the phone book, and I figured any place with the name of friendship in it would be a good place to start. And that's so true, because she was right. Baptist Friendship House is a place where relationships are nurtured, support is given, and encouragement is freely dispensed. Piggybacking off what Paul was talking about, this is especially true in the after-school program that they have four times a week. Over a dozen elementary school children come bounding in off the bus, and the majority of them are at risk. I'd actually say probably all of them. They have varying um, levels of background. Some have okay homes. Some have tough situations. Um, the turnover is high because, um, you know, they'll move all over the city to where um, if they're evicted or if they just can't afford the rent anymore, it's very unstable. But these children are fun. They still have that light in their eyes. Um, and sometimes it's mischievous, but overall they behave. Um, but studies have shown that the earlier you can work with a child, the earlier that they have some stability in their life, the better they are later in life. I I'll go over there on Thursday afternoons. I go at 4 o'clock. The program is at 2.30 to 5, but at 4 o'clock they start homework. And I found that the homework, even though I've been out of school for a while, it's still pretty easy. <laughs> Spell five or six little words. Every now and then if you get a fifth grader that you have to kind of stop and think, okay, how does this work? But um, just spending that time and showing that you're caring, even if you don't always get the right answer, 
that showing of caring goes a long way. Similarly, twice a week, the ladies um, that I mentioned earlier, they have a Bible study Tuesday and Thursday mornings, and I'll actually be there this coming Thursday um, teaching the Bible study and providing the meal for them. Uh, for, I would say, almost, except for one of those ladies, that's their church. They go for, um, to learn um, from the Bible, to support each other. Um, the prayer request time, it's, sometimes it's a 10 or 15 minute time because there's a lot of requests and we sit there and care for each other. They follow up with each other. I count those times there as sacred because I feel like I'm entering a very special place, a place where the love for each other is warm and the need for Friendship House to be there for those ladies to assemble and meet is there. While they're there, they're able to um, get some food and supplies, whatever they need to kind of help get by. But just being there and saying, how are you? How, how, how's your grandson? Um, you know, how's your knee doing? You know, just those little actions show that they care. While I was at Friendship, I also learned about Angel Food Ministries, and today the Good Faith Food Boxes stands on the shoulders of Angel Food and also Share, which um, our church has done also in the past. These food boxes allow um, families the option to ensure that several meals that will be healthy, they can eat them at um, a discounted rate and um, make sure that they can reallocate the money they, they would normally spend on their food for something else that um, is still vitally important. We all know in this economy... Every dollar counts. And sometimes um, folks that receive these boxes have to decide, do I eat or do I give my children a new pair of shoes? Do I pay the light bill or do I defer that another month? Um, do I get my prescription that really needs to be filled, but maybe I can float a little bit longer? We're still experimenting with Good Faith Food Boxes here at our church. Those that were here Friday night, um, saw that experiment in full force. The truck was supposed to get here at 7. It pulled up at 9.40. Uh, Shirley Harrison put on her social committee chair hat one more time, and we got some decaf coffee going, and um, you know, we had lots of folks in the dining room um, waiting for the boxes, and so we just kind of fluttered around and introduced ourselves and just visited, and um, I got to talk to a lady named Evelyn. She has a 41-year-old daughter, Recently divorced, um, she's, as she said it, we found out he was a no-good alcoholic. <laughs> all right. Um, she has two uh, teenage sons, and we all know the appetites of them. Um, but her daughter suffers from a blood disease that is at high risk for turning into leukemia, and the result is it makes her very sluggish, and she's not able to keep steady work. And so they're in a bind. And at first, when I talked to the lady, I kind of thought the box was for her. But she said, no, the box is for my daughter. What a blessing. That food box is going to go a long way to help a tough situation. Life is tough. And it's especially tough for those that come to Friendship House, to those that need the Good Faith Food Boxes. It's tough for us at times. I believe that as the physical body of Christ, we're called to be blessings in his name. What might seem like a small action, what might seem just, just one hour, hour out of our um, weekly routine, maybe even our monthly routine, maybe just $35 for a box, what seems small has the potential of going a long way. So I would encourage you to keep your ears open as we continue talking about these missions just in our neighborhood, um, Hurt Park and Old Southwest and surrounding areas, and pray about ways that you can be a, what you think is a small action 
how that could turn into a large blessing for somebody else. Thank you. Sandra and I are here to represent the Sioux Indians on Standing Rock. This is a reservation that's situated in North and South Dakota, has a total land area of 2.3 million acres, and is the fourth largest Indian reservation in the United States. Calvary's had the privilege and the opportunity of joining 30 to 40 other Baptist churches who are members of the Roanoke Valley Baptist Association in sending teams totaling approximately 150 people to the Standing Rock Reservation for the past seven years. This week-long mission trip finds our team working with preschoolers, children, youth, and adults in the community of McLaughlin. The team will distribute books to the children and provide nourishing meals for those who attend our activities. We have built a fellowship of trust and care where they anticipate our returning at this time each year. And in hearing what Paul and Nathan had to say, all I can say is ditto. Exactly what they said there is there, is out to the west of us. It's, Poverty, I mean grinding poverty. Unemployment, 90 plus percent. User addictions, alcohol, drugs, teenage suicide, all of it, all of it. Dysfunctional families, hopelessness, absolute hopelessness on that reservation. That's all, and you'll see it, you feel it. It's just a weight on you. And as that week goes on, you can almost feel like you can't take a breath. It's just hopeless out there. So what they are describing, I, the, the team that you send out to Standing Rock sees it. These children have a different look about them, but they feel and they hurt just like all of, all of these children do. As each previous team member has, Sandra and I also have established personal relationships with many of these precious Native American friends. For the past six years, we have watched twins, Quentin and Quincy, grow from a four-year-old to a 10-year-old. We received the following letter from Quincy. Thank you for the Christmas card, the T-shirt, and the $2 you sent me. Hope you have a good Christmas and a happy new year. I'm having a good Christmas, and guess what I got? A Crayola set and a paint set. Can you send me a picture of you? And if you guys have an ocean there, can you send me a picture? It's time for me to go to bed, okay? Love you, Quincy. Now, this is some of the artwork. Sandra's going to hold it up. It's kind of hard to see, but <laughs> it's pretty descriptive. The yellow one says, I love you, Evelyn. And the white one says, Sandra, I love you, with little hearts drawn all over it. There's a basketball on her, so she is way up because basketball is huge. She's on, if you're on equal footing with a basketball, you've got it made. They love that sport. So from our, and also from our 19-year-old twin girls that we have met, Dana and Dawn, we received a letter stating that they are doing well in junior college. And that was such a lovely relief to us to know they promised us they would graduate high school and would go to college. And I can't tell you what joy that brought to our hearts to know they are in junior college. Dawn is married and has a little baby girl named Kai. And she says to us in a letter, 
I am happy and everything is going well. I can't wait to see you both and everyone else. I miss you both and I think about you. And then from Shirley White Buffalo, who is a grandmother in her 80s and keeping four and five of her grandchildren because parents are in jail, parents are absent, parents are drunk, the child protective is, is involved, she's raising four or five grandchildren. She, we received a letter from her saying, thanks for the Christmas card and the letter. Happy New Year to you both. We're doing okay, just looking forward to July when we will see you all again. Then she went on to bring us up to date on some of the other ladies that we work with in the Sewing Crafts Center. We're presently making plans to, about this year's mission trip. And just this week, we learned that there will be a team from Roanoke Valley back at Fort Yates after a two-year absence. We just didn't have the people. We had to pull, pull a, a site offline because there weren't enough people to man it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it hurt us so badly to leave Fort Yates hanging out there without a team back in place. They've committed to sending a team in there, and some way we'll have the people out there. So Fort Yates is back with us, and we're glad for that. Many people are needed so that many can be reached for Christ at Standing Rock. If you are interested in going, we'd love to have you to be a part of Calvary's team. All expenses for the trip are either out of pocket, by donations, or by the team raising funds with various projects. Your financial help is a huge blessing to us, and we thank you. We do ask that you pray that we will have safe travel, be a positive witness to our Native Americans, and for opportunities to share our faith. We are planning a Standing Rock fundraising luncheon on March the 18th, and we hope you will reserve this date and plan to be with us. I'll close with, the, with this Bible verse, and we've heard it many times, but this, it certainly applies here. Go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I have told you. I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Thank you. And thank you all for sharing what you have for all of us.